Hey, everybody. It's Peg. Thanks so much for listening to the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast. Before we start, I want to say thank you. Because I honestly don't know if I could keep up with this podcast each month, if not for the support of really great friends like you. Including today's episode. With original music composed by Mark Pilly, a beautiful musician in Edinburgh, and an interview from Anthony Roberts, a graduate student in the UK, this episode is really thanks to them. But also, the simple truth is this. The Ashtanga Dispatch podcast would not exist if not for you listening right now. You are the heart of everything we do. And for each and every one of you, Megan and I are so grateful. And now, on to today's episode. At some point in the practice, if you stay with it long enough, you'll find that the body drops away. Physical form and all the theories and all the methods just drop away. And then what are you left with? Breath. That was Eileen Hall, a woman who's been practicing for over 30 years and is certified to teach the methods of both Iyengar and Ashtanga Yoga. But before you get to hear more from Eileen, I want to introduce you to the student who'll be interviewing her. My name is Anthony. I'm a student of Leeds Trinity University in the UK, as, and I'm currently completing my master's in psychology. Anthony's research was on the possible psychological benefits of a long-term Ashtanga yoga practice. Now, working on a thesis can be pretty stressful. I remember. So Anthony took a wee bit of a break to attend a retreat in Bali, led by Mark Roberts and Deepika. And that's when she walked in and laid her mat down. His teacher's teacher, Eileen Hall, who was taking her own break, but for a different reason. Tomorrow, I turn 60. Welcome to the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast. Today's guest is Eileen Hall from Sydney, Australia, with an interview that can only be described as total synchronicity. There was Anthony researching the long-term effects of a yoga practice, and Eileen, who could share her own first-hand experience of the same. It was just too perfect. And so even though he'd never met her, Anthony asked Eileen if she'd sit down with him for this interview. And like a true teacher, not only was she willing, but she was incredibly open and intimate, sharing not just her knowledge of the yoga practice, but also her more personal experience through breast cancer, a mastectomy, and menopause. And though this interview was from years back and never made it into Anthony's research, with Eileen's blessing, we are honored to share it with you today. So you started off practicing Iyengar. Uh, so, yeah, I, I became certified um, by Mr. Iyengar, level one, introductory, it's called. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, and then my first experience with Stanga Yoga was Ursula Trumpole, because I was teaching for her. She was the one who got me to cover her classes. She said, now you come to me and you come to my teacher. And her teacher was Robert Lucas. Okay. And Robert Lucas was one of the first Australians who'd been to Mysore. 
And I went to Robert's Lucas class eight o'clock on a Saturday morning <laughs> and he taught a Mysore-style class. I had no idea what was going <laughs> sure. on. There was three people yeah. and he just embraced me and showed me like half primary. Right. And then the next Saturday I went and I got a couple more postures in half primary because right. I've been practicing yoga now for seven years. Of course, yeah. So I knew the postures, but I didn't know the system, the method. And then I went for the third class and he disappeared. He'd gone. I don't know where he went. And that was my first experience with Tanga Yoga. But before he left, he said, now, if you ever get to India again, yeah. go and see this man. And he gave me a phone number and it was Patabi Joyce's phone number. <laughs> so it took me seven years, about seven years later, that I was in Pune again and yeah. I was there doing the teacher training sure. with Mr. Anger. Right. And he was really angry that three weeks and he was so abusive to students really? in the room. And I just thought, this is what you do when you're around your teacher, you reflect the qualities of your teacher. You take on their yeah, personalities. Yeah. And I went, I don't want to be like this man. I don't want to be in this angry state all the time. So I happened to have that phone number on me and I rang him up and I said, Mr. Joyce? And he goes, yes. <laughs> I said, can I come practice with you? And he goes, yes, you come. <laughs> I practiced with him every morning. He just sat next to me the whole time and just instructed me. Okay. through. Um, in three weeks, I was through the primary series. Mm -hmm. um, but at the second week... I became very, very ill, oh. and I couldn't look. I couldn't walk out into the sunlight. I had to wear like um, a bandage around my head. The sun was excruciatingly uncomfortable. I had a severe headache. I had um, heating um, and nausea, and I was bedridden for about three days. Goodness! And then an overwhelming fever and then I woke up one morning and the fever had gone and I was fine and I found my way I was quite weak I found my way to the yoga school that morning and Guruji said where you been <laughs> and I said oh Guruji I had a fever I was nausea and headache terrible headache and he went ah yogi fever <laughs> and then what he said next to me changed what I was doing and it was it was like I then realised that this was going to be my teacher for the rest of my life. What he said to me was, oh, yogi fever, heart is opening. Nice. And for all the previous seven years, Mr. Angle was talking about how to realign the femur or sure. the tibia or the deltoid muscle. Sure. Or There was never any sort of etheric concept of right. what the yoga is really doing. Sure. It was mainly from a mechanical level. Sure. And when Patabi Joyce said that to me, it just woke something up in me. It was like, wow, the yoga really can affect you on a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, this is going to be my teacher for the rest of my life. Part of my study and part of my curiosity is the longevity, the, the people who choose to stick with this type of yoga, Ashtanga yoga, for such a long time. So you've got 30 years plus and change uh, with Ashtanga, you know, seven years with Iyengar mm. and 30 plus years mm. with Ashtanga. What, what do you think 
has been the reason you just keep going back to it. Insanity. <laughs> no, look, you know, what else are you going to do? Once you've got a taste of it, it's really hard to let it go. And constantly there are, there are moments in my life where I'm like, what am I doing this for? What's, what's, <laughs> what's the point of, you know, doing all these postures? But, of course, you, you stop and, and, and there's very few days where I've ever taken long stints off. Um, okay. Interesting. Even when I, as I mentioned before, I'm a cancer survivor, I had my surgery and I woke up out of, out of the surgery, recovery room, Yep. and I was lying in my bed and I'd had a mastectomy my right side. Mm -hmm. I couldn't move my arm. I'd had 58 clips across my chest. And yet I thought, what am I going to do? Why don't I do some pranny arm? Wow. So I lay in the bed. And I visualised the primary series. Wow. And inhale, raise my arms. I couldn't raise my arms, but sure. I just energetically felt like I was lifting my arms. And I got halfway through the primary series and I was absolutely exhausted, so I had to lie down and do Shavasana. <laughs> so, you know, having gone through that experience, it made me so much more appreciative of what this practice can give you when you have nothing. If you're almost taken, um, your life has been threatened and you almost have to let it go. Sure. And you can hang on by a thread. What, yeah. what are you going to cling to? What are you going to hold on to? Your, your car, your house, your computer, your iPhone, or your breath? Breath's the last thing you're going to give up. So there I was lying in my bed, having recovered from surgery, not knowing if I was still going to live. Sure. Surgery is no guarantee you're going to live. Of course not. So I thought, well, this is the first day of a new beginning for me. And where does, what is it going to begin with? Let it begin with practice. Can I ask where, when this was? It, it was 15 years ago, so I was 45 when that happened. I was a very advanced practitioner. Yes. And you're still a very advanced practitioner. Well, on another layer. I mean, sure, yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever that means. But from an anatomical point of yes. view. Yes. And then all of a sudden it's taken away. And to, to have worked so hard on a practice that was a visual external feeling. Yeah. And then that's taken away from you and then you're left with what? What has the yoga been for? It just helped me revalue my life. It helped me start again and start from, from something far more internal. Mm. So when I had to roll out my mat again for the first time, yep. which was maybe 10 days later. 10 days after surgery. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wasn't doing primary series. I okay. was just stretching out and okay. rolling around and breathing and, yep. and feeling my energy again. It was like, yeah, this is really important to me. This is what wakes me up every morning. This is mm. what makes me feel good about who I am and, and, and again, rebuilding myself from, from a beginning, from a new beginning, from a new altered state. And having been through that 
cancer experience. Yeah. I have so much compassion and empathy for other people now who've not necessarily just gone through cancer, but are recovering, whether it be from a car accident or a relationship or some depression. Sure. I now can empathize with them and know that yoga can really make you get yourself back up again. It can build you back up. But you're coming from a totally different place this time, yeah. not one that's ego-based or reflecting yourself in the mirror or looking how wonderful you are on Instagram. It's something <laughs> about deeper than that. Sure. And, again, it goes back to when Guruji said, ah, heart is opening. Yeah. It was like the practice is about internal transformation, not external. Mm. And that's why it doesn't matter if you can't clasp your hands in Marichyasana D. Sure. It doesn't matter. Do you just clasp the fingers or do you reach around and grab the wrist or do you grab the elbow? I mean, where's the end point? At some point, you have to get off the merry-go-round. Sure. Otherwise, you just keep, you'll never get off. You'll stay on that merry-go-round and go round and around and around. And sometimes it takes an experience like an illness or um, an accident or an injury to wake you up. When I was laying on my bed after surgery. Yeah. I couldn't move. Yeah. What was most important? My breathing. But then, you know, when you're, when we all come to that last breath in our life, it'll yeah. be an exhale. It's not going to be an inhale. Sure. It's going to be an exhale. Yeah. What's most important? How you, how you stretched out your hamstrings? <laughs> how deep you went in a backbend? Or how you lived your life as a person? I'm obviously biased because, um, you know, uh, I... I love this practice, but there are cr critics of everything in the world and there are definitely critics of Ashtanga. Mm. In your lifetime experience, have you seen any downside to this practice in how it's put either psychologically, physically, whatever? Oh, have I seen a downside? Um... Before we get to the good stuff, let's, let's try and be... Yeah, the downside is, of course, that it has... Six levels. Okay. And people think that you'll become spiritually enlightened if you reach, if you get higher up in the sequence. Yeah. That's not true. Okay. I see that as a bit of a downfall. But again, okay. that requires just a, um, a well-educated teacher knowing that and um, clearing that up for the student. Um, other downside? Sometimes it's a little bit repetitious. Okay. Okay. But again, if you have a good teacher around you, they can help you find the depth of it rather than just the surface. Sometimes the surface, you know, if you're going in and you're not inspired and you wake up and you've got to go through it again and your body hurts. Yeah. Um, you know, with other forms of yoga, you can go, okay, look, I've had a big day. I was working at the office. Yeah. Maybe I'll just chill out and do some recovery postures. Sure. Ashtanga yoga, we don't know what recovery postures is. If we're going that's primary series. It's Shavasana. <laughs> well, if you're only halfway through primary series, that's no recovery. You're working. Yeah. So I, I've seen that as a little bit of a downfall, um, particularly with women too when they're going through a menstrual cycle. Okay. Um, a lot of them go, well, I don't do anything, whereas with Iyengar practice, there's some beautiful um, – menstrual cycles of practice to do ah. for, for women so that you can, um, any heaviness coming through the abdominal area, right. any um, excessive bleeding, yeah. um, there are lots of postures you can do to balance all that out. 
Um, See, he was a genius in his own oh way. Oh, God, no, he was amazing. Look, yeah. I was in a class with him once and we were doing standing postures and he looked at this woman and he said, you're not to do this posture. And she said, why not? And he goes, you're pregnant. No and way. And she said, no, I'm not. And a week later she came back, she said, I'm pregnant. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was extraordinary, extraordinary. Um, all right. I want to touch on the rewards now. Um so for yourself, like what do you feel? I mean, in your own words, in your own understanding of what you think uh, the psycho psychological rewards have been, what do you think they have been? I mean, you've been such a long-term practitioner. Is it just the physical aspect that, that and I don't think so, um, there has to be more. I don't know, what, what has been the rewards for you to keep coming back to this practice? Oh, peace of mind. Okay. Um, stillness. Okay. Uh, the opportunity to take time out for myself. Okay. Uh, a practice for me can last 10 minutes, 20 minutes, two oh. hours, three hours. Depends okay. on the days, how much time I have, and how quickly you can drop into that place of just stillness. Mm. Um, like everybody, there's always a reason why we start something initiates us, whether it be from an illness you have or mm. um, an injury or you just want to get physical or you're just inquiring, whatever it is, but it'll always change. Mm. And and I think for me that's definitely been one of the reasons why I've continued. And certainly when I went through menopause, yep. there was um, – Every woman is different through that cycle. And for me, the thing that I was affected most from the menopause was my lack of enthusiasm. Huh. Just, just the desire to not do anything. It lasted for a couple of years. And having, a couple of years? Yeah, menopause goes for a long wow. time. Wow. No, but that, that sense of like... Oh, yeah, um, not... Yeah, not ugh, what's the point? Yeah. I'll just, I'll just chill out and... Uh, but the yoga practice was one thing that, that, I, just... that I knew that if I, I need to continue this, I need to wake up and know that I can unroll the mat and find that space in myself to regain enthusiasm and desire to just continue and stay with it. Because it's, it's almost, it's for women, it's a change of career, a change of life, sure. change of career, change of opportunities. Sure. Most women around that age, they're in their 50s, yep. early 40s, kids are starting to grow up, they're moving away from the nest. Women are left with this empty space. Sure. And most times you have to reinvent yourself. And I believe that's what a menopause is. It's like reinventing. Women have to reinvent themselves into something else. Sure. They're not childbearing anymore. Yep. It's time now to, what are your passions? What is your direction? And so there's that place of unknowing. Yeah. And for me, it lasted for a couple of years, wow. 18 months, 24 months. Yeah. For some women, it might be quick. For some women, not at all. For some women, they go through terrible um, heat and fluctuations. Sure. And I didn't experience anything on a physical level, just on that mental level. So uh, as my body changes, yep. so has my practice and so my need to want to continue. And that was my recent feeling of waking up and being on the mat. And now it's just so joyful, nice. just unbelievably joyful. 
because I'm not competing with anything or anyone. Sure. <laughs> it's just I wake up and I, and I have enough insight now to know how I can release the knots and the energy and uh, feel my prana and just become so contented with my physical form and where I'm at that it just, it's just, just magnificent. Anything that you feel um, conventional science should, should know about Ashtanga um, that you feel isn't really out there because one of the reasons why I'm doing this study is because they lump all yoga together. Right. Right. Uh, people in the media, in the science, it just says yoga. Whereas wow. Ashtanga yoga is very specific. specific. Incredibly. <laughs> and so how would you compare this discipline to the discipline of turning up to a track every day and training for that? Uh, look, I think you answered a lot of that yourself there. Ashtanga yoga, it's very specific. Therefore, it has... Uh, different elements than just the general yoga. Um, there's a lot of, I call it flip-flop yoga around now. <laughs> so, again, it comes back to, oh, if you don't want to, if you don't feel like it, it's okay. Right. You can just lie over that for a little bit. Yeah. Where that really, most times, is just supporting what we call the, um, the um, states of, each individual. So we have a tamasic state or a jasic state or a sattvic state. Okay. So if someone's very tamasic, yep. um, which is heavy lethargic, yep. they will most generally go towards something that's also supporting that. They don't like to challenge that, that uh, constitution that they're embracing. Okay. So most people who are in tamasic state will gravitate towards yin yoga. Okay. So they like to lie over a bolster or like to do this okay. or don't want to exert too much. Those who are in a rajasic state, very um, hyper, yeah. they will probably tend to gravitate towards um, Bikram yoga, okay. uh, power living yoga, something that's really quite energetic and forceful. Sure. Shtanga yoga, you don't have a choice. <laughs> It is what it is. Some people would say it's a rajasic state. Yeah. When you start, it yeah. is, but it turns into this incredible sattvic state, sattvic being balanced and poised, yeah. equanimity, and that's what you're looking for. So each individual, whether they're rajasic or tamasic, will come in and find the sattvic within that the very balanced state because they're working on their breath, mm. they're working on their prana, they're working on their... Um, constitution to yeah. find its own point of balance where a lot of other yogas won't do that because they'll chop and change from day to day but this one you have something to reflect on every day yeah it's the same sequence so every day you're going in and you're reflecting on that and I know I said that was one of the drawbacks but it also is one of the benefits of course what's lacking in the and the yeah, Having been an athlete and waking up and training, yeah, um, mental state. Okay, you know they. I know a lot of the athletes now. They get a lot of psychological support. Sure, but a lot of that psychology is coming from yoga. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's all yoga based. Okay. Anthony Robbins, where's all his coming from? <laughs> That's all from the scriptures. Okay. It all goes back to the scriptures. Okay. All personal motivation. Yeah. It's all there in the scriptures. 
One of the greatest stories ever told, the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> a man in a crisis. How do you get out of the crisis? Yoga. <laughs> I mean, isn't that psychology? Right. And it's there, written 4,000 years ago. Yeah. You know Donna Coronda? Yeah. yeah. Her husband um, died of throat, can no, throat cancer. Don't quote me on that. He died of cancer. Sure. And he was getting, because they had a lot of money, John sure. yep. wealthy. DKNY. Um, yep. DKNY, exactly. Um, she got the best of the best medical profession in the world to help her husband. Yep. And they were giving him all this chemotherapy and drugs. Yeah. But she also knew that there was an alternative side sure. to healing as well. Yeah. So she went and got the best of the best in the alternative healing. Okay. And these are two separate people, two yep. separate ideals. Yep. And when they came together to help this man, they yep. were all conflicting. Sure. So then she started, oh, what's it called? I think it's called Urban Zen. This um, symposium, and she had the finance to support it. She brought the best of the best in the oncologists. Okay. Medical profession. Yep. And it was a four-day program in yep. New York, and she brought the best of the best in the alternative healing, and she put them together. And each one of those people that were speaking, they could invite four of guests who would benefit from this. Sure. Um, one of them was Rodney Yee. He came okay. from the yoga end of it. Okay. And my friend Vivian, he invited her. So I knew this from, secondhand from Vivian. She said it was the most amazing experiences to be there with these scientists yeah. and yet these alternative healers. Yeah. And the scientists are normally in the lab with the white coat on yeah. and have no idea of people's emotions or feelings, just how to, how to remedy a problem. Sure, isolate a cell. Isolate a cell, exactly. <laughs> and you, you've got these other people, like the Ayurvedic doctors, yeah. who are looking at the whole being. Sure. And yet none of them talked. Yeah, yeah. So what she does, she, brought them, she brings them together every year still in New York. They oh, still wow. have this symposium every year. It's been going for like eight, nine years now. Okay. One thing you'd probably really love to be on. Yeah. Just look up. I think it's called Urban Zen and Donna Karan. You might yeah, find I'll it. Yeah, I'll figure it out. And my friend Vivian said it was the most extraordinary thing because you had these scientists suddenly looking at alternative ways of aromatherapy or massage uh, and going, well, we never knew that. Okay. And that's where it's all starting to, the boundaries are starting to cross. And okay. yoga is just a part of that. The boundaries are crossing. And even now, you know, you find people who are, who are doctors. Yeah. And they'll say, go try yoga. Yeah, of course, yeah. My surgeon, when I went back and saw him um, three weeks after surgery, he said to me, what do you do again? <laughs> I said, yoga, why? And he goes, well, he said, you know, I operate a lot on people. He said, but when I cut you open, yeah. he said, your muscles and your structure inside was like I've never seen before. He said it was like going to the butcher and seeing prime New Zealand beef. And I said, well, I've been a vegetarian for 50 years. I don't know what you're talking about. 40 years. And so, you know, even he was fascinated. Sure. And then I went off and did some Panchakarma treatments. Right. And I'd come back and I'd see him again because I had to go and see him every six months for the first five years. Yeah. 
And he said, Eileen, you look a picture of health. What are you doing? And I said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 please tell me. And I said, I'm not telling you. You won't believe me. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll tell you one thing. Enemas. And he goes, oh, no, I knew it. And I said, that's why I'm not telling you, Dr. Coleman. <laughs> so... Mark attributes you as his first. I mean, we're here in Bali, for everyone, we're here in Bali. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning uh, at Mark's uh, workshop, he attributes you as his first teacher. Um, he also says that you really, really encouraged him to go to Mysore oh. and, um, and really supported him uh, in mm -hmm. his early days. Mm. What was it about Mark that you saw that you felt could become oh. <laughs> I'm sure you've had many, many students in your lifetime. Look, I always reflected back and what is it? And I and I always think of myself walking into that room in Mysore. Yeah. And Patabi Joyce sitting next to me and he just he just gave me so much. And why? Why did he give me such? Because I really wanted to know. I really wanted to learn. I was so keen on being there. I was so inspired by this practice. Yeah. I was so enthusiastic. I was there every morning before he was. He loved that. Okay, yeah. It was just seeing someone who aspired. Yeah. And Mark was that. Okay. So I saw a little bit of myself in Mark, perhaps. Nice. Someone who was keen, someone who wanted to know more, someone who was enthusiastic. Sure. And I, and you know, when I was a, a teacher learning in Sydney, yeah, there was none of that then. There was no sort of apprenticeship. Ah, it was like okay. you just you just bumbled your way around. Sure, sure, sure. And I was fortunate to have Patabi Joyce sit down and and. And one-on-one, -on -one, give me direction, give me guidance, right. give me on, on how to be a yogi, how to live in a yoga world. And then I just went, you know what? I never had that support in Sydney, so let me help people who want to be yoga teachers. Let me show them how much as I can to, to manage yourself. It's not, it's not easy being a yoga teacher. No. And yet so many people want to be. <laughs> You know, when I, when I always, you know, when you leave the airport, you have to write down your occupation. I never put yoga teacher. Never. Particularly 40 years ago, you never put that down. I was like, oh, you're a hippie. <laughs> now I don't want to do it because everyone wants to be it. Uh, any thoughts on that? You don't have to say anything. This isn't really part of the study, but like. Uh, on yoga teacher? No, on how, like, like, a lot of people want to get authorized. A lot. Oh, we're to back to Stanga Yoga, yeah, yeah. It's yoga in general. Oh, you know, I guess it's again another goal. It's okay. another, it's another, um, something to focus on. Unfortunately, you know, the focus shouldn't, shouldn't um, take you away from the real reason why you're doing it. The mm. reason you started is mm. going to change as you go on. But sure. it, to aspire to become, to want to be a yoga teacher is kind of like a red rag to a bull to me. You just. You just become a teacher. You don't. Ah. You don't want to be one. You just. You just unravels. Thank you for listening today. The Ashtanga Dispatch podcast was written and edited by me, Peg Queen, with our guest host Anthony Roberts. Music by Mark Pilly. If you're not on our email list, please go over to ashtangadispatch.com right now and sign up.
You can have each new episode delivered right to your inbox. Plus, we have some big news to share with you soon. And if you share the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, don't forget to tag Ashtanga Dispatch. We love it when you tag. Thanks again. And we'll be back the next new moon with a brand new episode.